And the one thing that always comes to mind is the, the game is the game, always. In my mind, I think of that as a things evolve. I guess the game that we're playing is like, do you really enjoy your life type of thing? It never really changes, right? The circumstances change, things change, um, you know, technology changes, but there's always going to be people selling, people buying. Like, the game is the game always. Like, that, that will always be a thing. You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. If your journey mirrors mine in any way, one significant standout might be learning about the importance of remarketing. To delve even more specifically than that is where we meet today's guest, Ricardo Hines of Backinstock. By giving customers a more meaningful way to inform them of product availability, we take a useful but unceremonious part of running a business and transform it into yet another indispensable tool in our arsenal. Ricardo Hines, it is good to have you here on Ecomonics. How are you doing today? How are you feeling? Doing pretty good. It feels feeling good. Yeah. Okay, cool. Now, once in a while, I'm distracted by something in the background, so I'm just going to try to get through this real quick. But um, I, I can't tell what that is behind you. It's like a golden <laughs> mural. It look, or a... it, it's actually like a it's a painting of flowers, and if you it's like a, a, a boss down here, and then the flowers are uh, they they kind of pop out like they're kind of like yeah. um, embezzled a little bit, um, like thick paint. So it's like it a like, relief, like it's because it sticks out a bit. Okay. Yeah, so it kind of looks like, but it looks kind of gold when you look at it. When I look at it through the screen, like it looks like it's like a gold, like, a, I, don't, I don't know what, but yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> okay, and, and at the bottom there, there's a, I think that's like the, the abdomen of a bee. So that bee must be having like a really good time right now. Yeah, basically. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, I I know it's like not it's not exactly e-commerce related, but if I don't talk about it, it's just going to be distracting me the whole episode. So I just had to rip that bandage right off. So Ricardo, I'm I'm looking forward to having a conversation with you today about uh, what you do and what you represent. I think there's a very important job that you guys are up to. Um, so let's get this started. Tell us what you do and what you're up to these days. Yeah, so um, I best way to describe this would be um, I I run a few companies inside of a portfolio company, which is Source of Capital. Um, we have a Shopify portfolio, so it's a, a kind of a suite of apps. And kind of the, one of the main ones we want to kind of talk about today would be back in stock. It's probably one of our bigger ones. Um, and, and they do various things. Um, we, we service our Shopify customers um, in, in helping in very specific ways. Like back in stock uh, basically helps you convert uh, your more sales, right? So you can think anytime you run out of uh, you run out of inventory and you, you kind of have to, there are people waiting for something, right? Like I, there's something, something that I've been trying to get for forever is a PlayStation five and no one can get that. And you, you kind of sign up for an alert. Um, I don't think so many people think about the process of, well, what happens after, you know, someone signs up to get notified, like you'd have to go out and manually notify all of them. Um, and then, uh, so the, the app kind of manages all that for you. You can kind of set your delivery policy where, uh, make sure you're targeting the right customers and, and different things like that. I won't get too much into the settings and all that, but it's it basically manages uh, that whole process of when you restock, we're going to send out these alerts so you can get those sales and not not miss them because you know you didn't have any way to reach out to those customers. Right. You know, it's funny you mentioning waiting for the PlayStation Five because I think some people are so adamant about that that they start following the supplementary news. Like as soon as they see that the chip shortage is finally uh, um, resolved, and they go, "Well, the chip shortage is resolved. That means that it's going to be going to the manufacturing. That means right. I, the PS Five." So people are just like, and 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 I think that there is some um, some amount of truth to that. Where um, if if somebody is you know is waiting for a product. They have a problem in in need of solving. Now, there's only so many game consoles, but I I could see a reality where um, if somebody eventually gives up on one system, decides, oh, you know what, I'm just gonna get an Xbox Series X, or they might even get a Switch or upgrade their PC. So there is a potential to lose um, uh, what what you know your some of your customer base, even some uh, particularly loyal customers too. So that to me sounds like really like the key problem that is. Um, uh, that underlies the 
what the solution here is. Um, what I want to know, I do, I always want to know like what's kind of like the backstory to this. Like, what was the impetus for for this uh, software to get started? Were they working on something and they realized they needed to solve this problem on their own? Because that has come up a lot with a lot of the uh, uh, the SaaS uh, companies that I talked to. Yeah, so we 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 bought this company um, from from the founder um, a couple of years ago, and I think for them it was a matter of just identifying the problem and. and it's a pretty obvious one in Shopify. There's a few apps that kind of do the same thing. So but since since kind of taking the, the app over, it's kind of been optimizing the the delivery of of the making sure that the notifications are getting out successfully, right? That you want to make sure that I think there's no there's a there's a lot of things, a lot of components that go into making sure that people are actually getting the what you're sending them, right? Through email or SMS and all that. So but yeah, that's essentially the, the impetus for this is just identifying that very, very obvious problem in Shopify, which is I think there's a few of them in there where, you know, out of being out of stock and having to to go in and and, and alert like a thousand people or two thousand people, especially if you're a bigger store or like if you happen to be blessed again, like, you know, five hundred thousand people like getting giving you notifications that things are out of stock. You're not going to be able to do that by yourself. It's just impossible. So, the very obvious problem. Same thing with like abandoned carts, right? Like if it's not something that that we do yet, but it's you know an abandoned cart notification is one of those easy wins that you can get. And I think it's a very obvious problem across Shopify. So much so that they have a category for it. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's it's uh, it's interesting to see the parallel of niches within the the apps and how you know what co- sellers become customers in that space versus the niche and then the niche within the niche and the sub niche within that niche on on the on the consumer side as well. So everybody at some point is a customer, whether they're a customer of the business that they're selling. So that's a uh, there's a fascinating parallel there okay so i'm i think okay so just so you know i did uh, come into this um, mostly expected to talk about a uh, talk about this but we can we can branch off because i would like to hear about some of the other companies that you're working on as well and yes more of like the big picture um so so we'll get to that but i think one of the things that is sticking out in a lot of people's minds with the back in stock um uh, service is are there other email services, say like you know, uh, Clavio or Mailchimp, that uh, are doing this? Maybe because they didn't focus on it, they aren't doing it as effectively. Um, is there a relationship where I can actually have multiple um, of, of these uh, email services, and they're all integrating with each other? What's the relationship with back in stock and uh, other e- email systems like Clavio that people might might and often are using? Yeah, so I think when you. Uh... I think if you're like a bigger email service provider, like a direct market, like like Clavio, there's a, like you mentioned, niches, right? Have starting off in a niche allows you to be super targeted on that one very specific thing. And you, you kind of make it very easy for people to set up, right? When you start to, when you can do a lot of different things, it's, it's harder to set up. You have to kind of do a, a bit of upfront configuration. I think for us, it's allowing people to just kind of like download and like almost one click install setup and you're almost off to the, to the races and, it just like works out of the box um, because we're not that complicated in terms of what we offer you. Like we offer you back in stock notifications. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Um, and so where we, the things that we don't offer in, t- in terms of, you know, you're collecting this large group of people uh, or, or potential customers that are opting in to get, getting some kind of notification from you. And maybe they opt in to get additional marketing for those customers, you can you can connect to uh, Mailchimp, you can connect to Clavio, you can connect to one of our various integrations, and then send other noti- you know type of uh, email marketing campaigns, which we don't we don't typically do. Right, we're not a general um, email marketing campaign. We're doing this one very specific thing, but you're also you're already in contact with these people, so you can use our integration to just send those customers through to whatever other email platform you have. Yeah, I, I, I again, I'm, I'm coming back to this, uh, this parallel that's uh, really manifesting in having this conversation with you is the the specificity of uh, of a program like what you're what you're offering, as well as the specificity of somebody running the store. Sometimes, I, I this is dropshipping com- country, so there is a different relationship there between, like, say, somebody who is uh, manufacturing their product themselves, or they have their own warehouse. So there's there's a there's a different relationship between. Uh, acquiring product, say if I have multiple uh, agents, for instance, versus if I have you know my one warehouse and I know exactly how many uh, products that I'm making. So uh, there's there's different specificity there in 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 those needs, and I think it speaks to 
this sense of uh, overwhelmingness where if somebody were to install like a lot of those main key apps that we hear about the most often, what ends up happening is I become overwhelmed by all of the options available. And I think, geez, I don't even know how to do all of this. And if I don't know how to do this, then maybe I'm not cut out for this. Yeah. And, it, and it's, you know, it's interesting because, you know, you think about how simple it is to kind of set up Shopify. Like, I mean, I guess if you're used to it, it is simple, but it, it's, I would say it's easier to set up than like, you know, starting your own rolling it on your own, right? Like you just, for the most part, it's like few, few labels, few settings, and you're off, off of the races. And that, I think it's easy. It's better when you have like a, a product that, that kind of supports that. When I say product, I mean a, 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 an app that follows that convention where it's like, make it as simple as possible. Because typically that your customer, if you're using Shopify um, and you're not as sophisticated in, in like rolling your own like e-commerce platform or, or you're, or a store, um, you haven't like built your own website or something like that. If you're using Shopify, then you want something simple. That's why you chose Shopify in the first place. And so, yeah, the hurdles. I, I, I mean, I've gone through it myself, like choosing a new software and like looking at all the options. Like, oh, it can do anything, and then like I, I don't want to do anything in it because I can't figure out what, how to start. And and getting people past that like anxiety of like this new thing um, that's supposed to be helping me and I don't know how to do it. Yeah, to your point, man, it's. It, yeah, you, you want to build confidence. Right. So th- this, this is, a, I don't know, I feel like this could end up being like a really obvious question, but I'm just going to do it anyways, is um, typically when should sellers consider adding uh, back and select notifications to their communication channel? Do you recommend this is the kind of thing to get it going right away? Or is, is it maybe that they should maybe wait until they actually do are having stock issues where their demand is starting to exceed their supply? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a tricky one, right? Like, I, I wouldn't say, like, if you're a startup store, you don't have any business. Obviously, this doesn't make sense for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you if you start, it, it's a nice thing to set up right away, um, only for the fact that if, you, if you're already anticipating sales or if you're getting sales, it's better to have it set up now instead of, like, starting to lose sales and then realize that, hey, I just lost, like, you know, $10,000 worth of sales because I, I haven't been reaching out to these people and, and like, when I restock. And like not even thinking about that system to begin with um, when you start, when you launch your store. So I would say set it up at the beginning, but yeah, there's, we, we do offer like a, a free plan. So if you're not getting a lot of business, um, you're not sending a lot of notifications, hang out on the free plan until something picks up and then you can kind of move along as your business grows. Okay. So I might be blind because I was looking at it and I, and I did look at the plans and I didn't, I didn't spot the free one. So what do I get out of the free one? Cause I mean, I'm, I'm a Shopify seller myself. I've got my own store. And the beauty of this, by the way, is that all of these people are basically coming to me and selling me on their services. So I'm like, yes, bring it. So uh, what do I get out of the free plan? Yeah. The free plan, you get 10 notifications a month, right? So that's like, you're, oh, okay. you're super small and you've got, you may not even have any inventory problems. Right. So that that's, that's a, you're probably going to notify one person a month. <laughs> like that's, that's kind of perfect for, for someone who like, you know, I'm getting business and I still don't want to think about this if the, if the problem ever occurs. Um, so that's what the free plan is kind of there for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a set up, set up those early stage automations, like uh, Hey mom, it's uh, <laughs> you, you can, you can, you can, uh, you can order it now just to uh, uh, test it out. So, so it's really, and, and it's also important too to bear in mind the, the, the ratio of, how many people would need to be notified um, versus how many people had purchased it initially. So like the 10 notifications um, at, at right away, that can sound um, prohibitive, but immediately think, well, that's 10 notifications past how many people are actually have actually made purchase as also the, the ease of which I can acquire products. So again, this being dropshipping country, we do have the luxury of being able to reach out to different suppliers. Um, in many cases, there are selling the same product anyway so uh there is some uh, there, there, there's some additional flexibility there uh but it but it but it is good and that's the one of the things that i was always like afraid of getting into e-commerce and it's been a a, a continual relief is finding this massive paywall that's not necessarily the fault of any one particular program, but all of these apps which are all important to having as many advantages as I can early on and all of them having to have, you know, $10 here, $20 there, $15 there. And next thing I know it's about $200 a month, $300 a month. And I still haven't actually sold anything yet. Right. Yeah. That's, that's uh you, you bring up a good point, right? It's, if you don't sit, you'd have to sell out your entire inventory in, in a particular product or, or variant to, to actually get to sending a notification. So, you know, if you're well stocked, it's, you know, it's not really a problem. It's, it's, it's less of a problem today, especially if you're, you're smaller. Um, 
you're not getting a, a high rate of sales. Like you can always kind of have some some inventory or like you can just drop ship and send. But yeah, people <laughs> you still you still kind of run into it if you're especially if you're higher volume sales. Okay, so the way I wrote this is, you know, what are the kind of results that uh, Shopify merchants can expect? And I mean, that's a that's a broad reaching question. Obviously, merchants uh, <laughs> each each one has different expectations. So what I would like to say more is about, let's say that uh, more about the process. So um, I we'll just go with uh, let's just say I'm selling clothing, for instance, and 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 my and my clothing range has come back in. I notify customers and. Can they are they making their purchase right away when they get the email? Is they're still coming back to the funnel? Uh, what's the process once the notifications are being sent? Yeah, so right now when you you send a notification out via SMS or or email, uh, that those are a link that goes in that message and it sends them right back to that product page uh, with your your variant. Um, we're we're kind of making a a considering an upgrade to send them to that page with the item in cart um, just to kind of send them one step along, but. Yeah, that's where, where they'll end up, right? They'll end up right back to where they can they can make a purchase. Um, we don't really we think it's kind of best for you know it's what you want, right? You want them to convert and, and get that sale, especially if they're waiting for it. As far as expectations from the the, the store, it, what we've kind of seen is you know if you can restock within seven days, like you've got almost like a 50-50 shot of like getting that sale, right? And it's it's kind of like a crazy high conversion rate. Um, but no, I I can just think about it myself in terms of you know. If a PS5 becomes available today, like I signed up for that because I'm super passionate about it, right? It's not like someone browsing and just, oh, like uh, this, you know, this is an interesting product, and I just want to be notified. It's like I really want this so much so that I want you to bother me and tell me when it's <laughs> when it's back. So, um, but once you get past that seven days, it, it kind of drops off. Like each day, like if you if you don't restock for like you know 14 days, and it's like it's significantly lower than than like getting it back in like those first seven days. Right. Okay. Well, I'm 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 a massive nerd myself. Like I'm a huge gamer, but I've always been a a Nintendo kid. Yep. So for me, if Switches aren't in stock, uh, there's not really much else that I'm really going to do. I'm 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 too loyal, and I also know what it is that I'm uh, that I'm buying the system for because of a game exclusive. So like in in your position, what is um what is about the uh, the PS5 that you're looking forward to playing? <laughs> um, I think well, right now it's the only thing that has like a. The only thing that has um, exclusive games, like Xbox came out, but it didn't come out with a really exclusive. They didn't drop Halo with it. So it's kind of like, it's like you're really playing uh, upgraded version uh, and upgraded, uh, playing on an upgraded system with the same place, uh, Xbox, uh, regular Xbox games. The PlayStation has like dedicated games that were kind of like made for the PS5. Um, so I think for me, like I wanted to start there and then like when Halo comes out, I'll get an Xbox later and, and go that route. So yeah, that's <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I just uh, had had to get my gamer question, and um, it's, it's been it's been a while since I've had a game chat. Last time we had like a game streamer on, and obviously that just went uh, that just went uh, all game related. So I'm right. talking about that all day, man. But <laughs> yeah, 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 it's all good. All right, so uh, here's a specific scenario I, I I got for you. I'm wondering about so I I I and I think something like this might might have come up, and so I'm thinking that there's a an ideal way to handle this. So let's say I have a, a low volume product. I'm putting myself in the position of somebody who's doing a lot of their own manufacturing, um, or or just sourcing um, a limited supply of product. Let's just say like a thousand of them. How can I use this to my advantage in notifications? Um, if I if I send a notification out and I say like you know supplies are limited, act now. I'm thinking that would actually have a heightened degree of effect on uh, on our customers who are waiting. They realize, well, oh, oh, a, a thousand. I'm only one person, but there could be there could be thousand and one people. I don't want to be the thousand and first person. So, like, I, yeah, how how can we use our our limited stock and use the situation in the first place, which is a problem, and we turn it we want to turn it into a solution to our advantage. Yeah, it, this is a this is one of those like um, marketing hacks, right, where you can you can um, kind of spoof demand. <laughs> um, so yeah, just setting your inventory low to begin with um, and, and kind of like letting that, uh, letting it uh, purposely letting something go out of stock, right? Like I mentioned, like if you, you get those people that sign up really want something, um, especially the appeal of something being in high demand. Um, it, it gets me all the time when there's like one or two left <laughs> of something. Um, yeah, letting something go out of stock on purpose and then and then like, immediately restocking when you get when you get the um get a, a certain number of like customer signups so you know those those are pretty much good sales um 
that's a that's a really good strategy like spoof demand so i think that's that's one of the ways that i would use it to um drive more demand to a product that's probably low low uh low traffic if, if you can get the eye, eyeballs on that that initial hey this is going fast like yeah sign up yeah. Now. yeah i mean i i think every every business on the, on the planet uh, engages in at least some small element of uh of, of mischief which is my way of saying um you know light side but still kind of uh, kind of devious and 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 i think there are you know sincere ways to to deal with this one of them is again let's just say i'm fulfilling things myself there's a whole process there so i might say you know what i need to need a week off you know these these boxes they're actually kind of hard to uh, uh you know they, they they run on the hands i cut my hands too often whatever the case is somebody might actually just not be stocking things for their own reasons rather than um, reasons that are out of their control. So, you know, being in control of my own peaks and valleys, uh, I would rather have that than have a situation where the, the valley comes at a time where I didn't really want it to happen. So I, I, I can see people different, uh, different logic as reasons why people might send things out of stock for a bit. At the end of the day, these things are run by people. That's a really good point. Yeah, that's a re- really good point. Um, it's, it, <laughs> especially if you're, you're a solo entrepreneur that's like just doing this on your own and life just comes up, so. Part of this that I think is, uh, is fascinating is like is the psychology of this, uh, which we've you know we've we've touched on here here and there. So, uh, I'm, I'm thinking there's there's customers who they they like the product and they're and they're interested in getting it and it's out of stock, and so it gets filed away into the back of their mind that they don't think about it too often versus someone who's eagerly waiting for it. Now, the reason why they're eagerly waiting for it, and by the way, the PS5 is not part of this analogy because, again, there's like there's three consoles and PCs, so it's a right. whole different industry. Um, but they're eagerly waiting for it, and it's not, it's not just that they're waiting for the product so much. It's that they're waiting for the solution to the problem. So I think the more passionate somebody might be about solving the problem, the more likely they might actually end up finding the product elsewhere um in and if, if that brand loyalty hasn't been secured so have you spotted a, a, a different psychology psychological traits in, in in the consumer behavior in if a, if cold um leads people who they started warm they got cold if they might actually end up being better people to target rather than somebody who's warm but is not necessarily focused on my brand they're just focused on getting the damn thing yeah um it's a good, it's a good question. I don't. <laughs> I, I work hard on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, in terms of, uh, yeah, your brand loyalty customers are, are probably are, are a really good bet. Um, unfortunately, we don't, we don't get the that, that um, we don't capture any of your customer data in terms of like figuring out repeat customers and things like that, which would be really nice to see, to get that type of view, right? If someone's like a new customer to you, or if they're, they're like someone that's been previously shopped and the brand loyal to you. Um, yeah, so we, we can't really split that out um, in terms of psychology, but I can I can just imagine that it, it'll be a better bet if you have, especially, if, I'm going to say if you have some some kind of, if you have a way of like tracking your customers, if you have a customer loyalty program or something like that, where you know people are coming back, or if you have a product set or consumables, um, typically generate a little more brand loyalty that way. Um, you you know that getting those people to sign up for Recycler is going to be going to be better, or going to be a better bet in like getting getting that return. Versus people that are, are probably going to turn if, uh, I, mean, I guess in my, in my mind, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm thinking through like certain solutions and, and like, sure. I'm, I'm not a person that's as, as brand loyal, honestly, like when it comes to certain things, um, like fashion, for instance, like clothes, I'm, I'm, when I, when I come across something that catches my eye, it's just one of those, like, I, I want this one for the very specific yeah. reasons. And there's a, yeah. yeah like I, I'm not brand loyal to clothing because I haven't bought a new pair of clothing in six years. It's like, I just, <laughs> yeah. Right. And, but it's like, when something catches your eye, it's like, it may be, I don't know, it may be something that's very different about the one particular pair of shoes that, that, you know, I was buying like white, white, white leather sneakers the other day. And I was like, uh, one had like a brown leather on the back. And it was like, I didn't really care what the brand was. It was like, that one thing was the thing I wanted. And it was on a stock. And I just kind of like, I guess I have to wait now for, for this to like re, be, re, uh, be restocked. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to answer that one. Um, I don't have the data to actually really answer that question, but I would right. imagine that it, it, depending on the type of product you're selling, it'd be a, it'd be a, it, I'd say your, your brand loyal customers would definitely be a better conversion rate. 
All good. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, uh, as a search, just to get the question out into the ether, you know, even for the, for the audience's sake to, to listen to me, be like, oh, yeah, how would I, how would I resolve that? Um, so you're, one thing you reminded me of is, you know, how, how tricky it can be to, to be loyal to certain um, things. So I'll give you two examples. One of them is, is uh, I, I plug them so much and they don't sponsor me, but it's, a, it's Mantis Sleep. Uh, I've been using their sleep mask for the last year and a half. And I and I and I've and I bought other ones as as gifts. Now I'm I'm loyal to that brand because it takes no effort whatsoever to be loyal to it. I'm not going to get another sleep mask. They 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 send value in the, in the email, so there's a there's a wealth of um, of content to read on on their behalf. So they 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 got me. Like I don't think I'm going to tattoo them to my to my body. There's a you know there, there, there's a list there of things I'm going to tattoo to my body, but. I'm I'm I would say that yes I'm I'm loyal to them in the event that I get another sleep mask it will very likely be them. Okay, so then another example and you because you were mentioning consumables and I think consumables are an interesting uh, issue because I think I mean this is depend on the consumable but I think generally um, committing to them is committing to an alteration of lifestyle. So for instance, uh, Brickhouse Nutrition. I used their their product for uh, for a couple of months called Field of Greens. It's like a it's, you know, vegetable fruit mix mix in the water. Uh, it tastes good, and just drink you know drink it fast before it uh, uh, goes to the bottom of the glass. And I even though I have the means and the and the income to continue supporting them, it's I'm not committed to the lifestyle that they're selling. Let, and, and it's not just about that. It, it, the idea of having to buy that product month after month after month to kind of like maintain the lifestyle that makes me fully use the the brand in the first place that actually makes it very difficult to to be committed and to be loyal to them yeah i you know i think about consumables and like it's it's a the the switching cost is so much higher in my mind because let's say for taste for quality for it it just kind of becomes a part of you because you're going to be using it all the time and you just want something that like works tastes good or is uh does what it's supposed to do, right? I mean, I'm I'm really big on like uh, what we call it, like uh, physique building. So like finding a protein powder that works, right? Like like does what it's supposed to do, but also like tastes good. Like I take collagen protein, and it's one of those things where to find something that like mixes right and all that is is hard. So when you find one, you just kind of stick with it. Um, and I think when it comes to like food, you know, the more consistent something can be, it becomes like a well it tastes good. I'm going to keep on doing it or, or, or like some kind of consumable, like even if it's toilet paper, it's like something about the texture is just right. I'm going to like stick with this. It doesn't like, you know, have all these, these uh, negatives. So yeah, I think the, the switching costs for consumables are just so much, so much higher that it, 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 I don't know if it's loyalty or just like, fear of like changing like you said your lifestyle <laughs> well yeah I, mean, I think it's it's yeah, it's largely about habits too because um it's scientifically proven that if somebody buys a bidet as opposed to using toilet paper they stop being a uh, 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 you know a primitive monkey and they actually become a, a space age and they're ready to get it to, to blast up into space like it's it, the solution there is it, i i've yet to really figure out what's the downside to it i mean you still need toilet paper but like you know, it, 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 it covers a lot of the, a lot of the work and yet people won't do it because that the habit is so firmly ingrained in people's minds. Um, so one thing that I would think about, and one thing I would recommend you know, everybody take away from this is like, think about all the things that we do consume and ask ourselves, what can we actually get that cuts that problem in half and becomes something more like a consistent product? Like, um, for instance, if, if somebody like myself if, uh, is uh, uh, is constantly using, you know, uh, sleep pills and sleep sprays, could a sleep mask, for instance, solve that problem? It's a one-time buy, and it solves a problem night after night after night. Right. That's a really good point. That's uh, yeah. I I it but the, it have to be so much. Uh, it's like the benefit has to be so much more to break that habit. Um, in a bit, day, I feel like it's very obvious, right? Um, we'll talk about why, but yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's so obvious as to why, like you would make the switch from a benefit standpoint that it's just like, you probably need one of these and you're, you're like not getting one. is just, is like, uh, to your detriment almost. Yeah. Like it, it's, it, you know, it, it's crazy. And it, it, it's about habit. And I think it, it is also about, 
um, social pressure too. Because uh, I, I think a lot of people would actually be pretty embarrassed to get one of them, even if it's uh, ha- hands down a significant improvement over the the alternative. <laughs> it's just it's just, it's just some things that fell in my mind, but I, I think there's a lot of interesting takeaways there. So get, getting back on track here, what a couple of the things that uh, I know you guys wanted to make sure that we covered uh, in regards uh, in regards to your uh, pro- uh, product here is some of the best practices for backing stock alert emails. You know, what are the some of the routines, some of the um, the automations, what are some of the things you generally recommend that sellers do when they're notifying their customers? Yeah, I think we touched on some of it, right? Um, sure, sure. I think it's the, the, the making sure you can get restock in a, in a reasonable time. I think that hires your conversion rate, uh, increases your conversion rate significantly. Um, you know, setting your device policy, uh, your, your delivery policy, um, once you download the app and you're kind of looking at making sure your, de- your delivery policy fits your business. Um, and if you have confusion about that, our support team can, can help with that. You have like multiple locations um, where you're you're restocking from, um, making you get making sure you get that set up so you're getting your alerts kind of set up uh, sent out right, and then just really maximizing that like total uh, email marketing campaign flow with with integrations. So I mean, again, we only do one part of this, right? And it's like you're building a relationship with customers, um, and this is a great time for them to uh, tell you that they're interested in what you're offering. Um, and sign up for more, possibly sign up to, to be notified about additional content, take advantage of that, right? Like use use MailChimp or whatever your, your other email marketing uh, platform is going to be and just kind of start that dialogue with them. Um, I mean, not, don't, don't like just push like products, right? Like don't get, don't get uh, an, an email and someone wants to be notified with a newsletter and just like to start throwing like sales at them. Yeah, and you're also touching on you know some of the ways to optimize the back in stock marketing side of this as well is to just bear in mind that this is something I I don't think this is the kind of thing that comes up routinely too often, but maybe you have some data more from the from the user side uh, to support or refute that. Where if something goes out of stock, it's I I guess it changes from a niche to niche niche basis. So I think some niches it might be a seasonal thing where they they run out of stock and they kind of know when it's going to happen, and so that's actually more of like a routine flow. Whereas I think in other places there might be like a freak occurrence a truck tips over or something like that where actually it's out of stock and now this is more of like an unusual circumstance so um of those uh, those are two scenarios that i can think of but um a are either of those um uh, complete nonsense and b are there other scenarios that have actually prompted um the the lack of stock yeah i mean and i think i think high demand or, or unexpected demand especially with like covid um sure where everyone jumped online and just started shopping online and i it's kind of hard to tell um, what what demand is going to be for certain things at, at any given time. Where like face masks became a thing that was just you can find anywhere, and that was, you know, everyone started selling them, and then they were they were instantaneously almost out of stock. I just, just thinking of that just kind of made me think about something else. Where um, it's kind of like a, if you're going to go out of stock on certain things, like if you're, you're really truly trying to build a relationship with customers, it's like restocking is a very important thing, or like notifying them that that you know you're back in stock is a very is a way to kind of let them know that your business is kind of legit. Like you have a lot, a lot of stores that pop up and just sell something, they sell out, they never respond, reply to you again, or like things are like always out of stock, right? Um, if you're really, really trying to, and, and some stores do that where they just kind of like, because it's, it was, especially during the pandemic, it's very easy to like just pop up a store, sell up, you know, $10,000 worth of like items and like, <laughs> and never reply to customers. But if you want customers to keep coming back, it's like a, you build that relationship. I think part of that communication funnel um, is can start can start through the the back and stop notifications. Yeah, I've I've encountered that as well. Uh, or, or, you know, early on, I, I was like briefly addicted to just ordering as um, multiple things online, where I would I would get things delivered every day. And I still remember one of the early orders. It was um, I, I spent a while since I brought this up on the show, um, but my, my longtime audience knows what's coming. It's the uh, it was called like a hands free bracket. You know, you stick this and put the phone on it, and they can move it around, swivel it, and it, and it never came and. Yeah, I checked the delivery and it said it was delivered to somebody in Quebec and 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 I had to get to get get visa on their case. Thankfully I was refunded. So there is always gonna be that I think that degree of skepticism of whether or not this business I'm about to support for the first time is is legit. You know, nine times out of ten, everything works out just fine. But there, you know, people still end up losing t- valuable time and trying to resolve this problem just to get their money back. Um, there was another one I remember. Um, they called themselves like a magic pen. It's like an over, it was an overhyped stylus. And I had this very specific product called the Desk Lab, which is a touch monitor. I'm like, does this pen work on this monitor? And they said, yes. I'm like, all right. 
order it. <laughs> so I so I get it. it naturally doesn't work. And so I say, guys, it didn't work. They they responded. They said, okay, you send it back to this address and pay shipping. I'm like, pay shipping. You lied to me. You told me this thing would work. And now I got to pay shipping for this. I'm actually out of money. I had to go all the way to my pharmacy slash post office to do this. Uh, so, so yeah, there's there's so many opportunities to make a good connection with your customer. And I think one of the key takeaways today is even just letting people know when their products are ready to be sold again is is, is a fantastic one at that. And if a business isn't taking advantage of these opportunities, then it just goes to show that this is just not as trustworthy as a business that's looking for opportunity to communicate wherever, whenever possible. Right. Kind of going, going towards like, you know, doing what you say you're going to do. Right. It's like, you tell me that you're, you know, if you're doing this yourself and, and I'm a customer and you're saying you, you promise that you're going to notify me when this is back in stock. And then you're going down this list of people that you somehow collected through a spreadsheet and you've forgotten to, to notify me. I'm never trusting you again. Right. I'm just like, I go back and I see that it's in stock and it's like, well, now I'm not going to buy it from you because and maybe this is me because I, I I'm I don't know if it's like I I feel like maybe it's not legit or I feel like somewhat offended that you, you didn't actually do what you said you're gonna do. I just won't I, won't, I just wouldn't buy right. Yeah, like I you know, just getting briefly back into like the gaming thing for a second. Like I've been a Nintendo fan almost my whole life, um, save for my early Sega days, and you know Nintendo's rubbed me the wrong way a couple of times. You're talking about like you know um, artificial scarcity. Uh, reminds me very much of the the amiibo situation there. Uh, Lord knows, Palutena should not have been that hard to get, and you know, and, and, and it's performance issues. So there are times where you know business falters, and that's fine. But you build up the trust beforehand, so these customers will understand that. Hey, look, you know, nothing's perfect, but send me the amiibo already. Yeah. All right, so I want to make sure that I just, it, it, just in case there's any specific um, alignment or I, I guess configuration for dropshippers, um, is is there anything in specific that a dropshipper might want to do just to uh, have the, a clear line of uh, communication between their suppliers and then getting their suppliers' information to me and then getting that information to the customer? Because uh, uh, I, I I tend to um, frame, I've been framing this conversation from the perspective of somebody who's very closely attached or within the proximity of their product, which I don't normally do, by the way. Normally, I start from the dropshipping perspective. But all of that said, do dropshippers have anything particular they need to worry about? I would say uh, there's a location setting. Um, so if you're, if you're, you've got multiple it's multiple vendors that, that's sending out your, your product, right? So you've got inventory coming from multiple places. Setting that up in the application at the beginning is will save you a lot of headache because there's there's some people that will have that as a uh, they'll only add like one location and then it'll say that well they'll they'll say well my inventory is in stock, right? And it's like you know you've you've only set up one location, you know we're 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 reading out of stock for your inventory, so it's it's you know you start collecting notifications. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing for, for, for dropshippers. If you've got like, if you just have multiple places where your inventory is stored, then or stored, then having that set up through through to those uh that those locations. I I just remember something from uh, when I was a uh, when I was a grocery boy. And anybody who's I guess worked as a grocery person or is even shopped at a grocery store, they might know what I'm about to say. Uh, and I'm and the reason why I'm asking this is because I'm just wondering if there's like any instances you've seen for firsthand that are similar to this. So person's working grocery, I'm I'm doing my thing, customer comes up, wants to know, do we have any unsalted butter? I say no. I said, Well, can you do me a favor? Can you go check the back for me real quick just to see if we hadn't put the stock out? Like because there's oh yeah, there's it's our VIP program where we hold product <laughs> deliberately just for people to ask. Now in, in grocery, that's inefficient, but I'm wondering if anything like that has come up where somebody actually does hold some stock um, just in the back, just to see if they're getting like heightened engagement from the customer. I'm sure that there are some there uh, some businesses that are doing that, right? Like I think that that it might be a decent strategy to like um, in, in a pre-order scenario, right? If you if you want to do something like that, almost almost like a pre-order, like you could use this in a way where you're just collecting almost signups to be notified. At least then you'll know you'll be able to, if, if you want to see how much you can get in the first, you know, in a week, how many times you can get in the week, at least you know you'll be able to get about, you know, 40 to 50% of these people are going to convert. So decent decent up to get like a, a pre-order scenario if you don't want to actually um, invest in in getting the actual inventory, right? Um, I think that's probably one of the, the best scenarios there. I'm kind of holding it artificially. I mean, in the scenario, I guess you wouldn't be holding it anyway, right? <laughs> 
but yeah, I think that's probably a pre-order scenario or a, or a somewhat of a pre-order scenario or, or artificially out of, of stock scenario would be something that you could do. Now, uh, you, you'd mentioned, you know, you don't get so much of the uh, the user data because user data goes to the seller. But I am wondering uh, how much of the seller data you uh, you, you guys might collect. Um, because usually what I ask in these uh, in these formatted episodes is if any insights have been uh, unearthed from any aggregated data that's collected because you're working with multiple sellers, obviously. To add a little bit of specificity to it, I'm wondering if uh, if you've noticed any patterns based on what niches people are working on or if there's any case studies that stick out. So you take all of those together and uh, let me know if there's anything interesting that's come up. Yeah, so in, in the way we've kind of set this up, um, we've we've gone the route of like collecting as little data as possible um and so much so that we don't we don't collect the uh there's kind of like a pop-up that, that's on the front of the um on, on the theme that, that pops up that allows people to sign up and we don't even collect the data when that when that pops up in the front of the store um, at least right now we don't and so we don't really uh we're not really able to draw a lot of conclusions in terms of like in terms of like uh what types of products you're selling or, I mean, we, we can generally kind of see that the, the percentage of verticals we have in terms of like fashion versus, you know, consumables and, and things like that. But in terms of what people are selling specifically getting down to that product level, yeah, we don't, we don't collect enough data on what your products are to, to, to do that. So yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice. It'd be a really nice thing to like, to like have, but I think there's like a, you, you kind of get into the world of like GDPR concerns and privacy and stuff like that. And we try to err on the side of caution at, at all times. Um, I think it's more of a trusting with, with, uh, with our, our merchants where it's, we only want to collect what, what, what we, we need to like drive your business. Um, so like all the, a lot of the data that we have is around, we can, we can look into from, you know, when people restock uh, in, in, you know, how many notifications they have, that kind of thing. They kind of, and we can start drawing trends from that on like, you know, how quickly you restock. If you restock at a certain time, you're more like, you're at X percentage to get to, you know, you can get probably this percentage of those customers that signed up to, to convert. So. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, the, you know, the origin of the question was, uh, was based around a more of like a client um, a, a relationship where people are it's it's almost in their best interest to provide as much data to the service as possible. So you have accounting, you have consulting, stuff like that. So, but nonetheless, to me, I just it's it's too good of a question not to ask because you never know there might be something uh, a big picture that um, that manifests from it. By the way, if you're a current user of Debutify or haven't tried us out yet, Debutify version three has been released, and now is a good time to upgrade or get started as any. A streamlined user interface along with an ever-increasing array of conversion-boosting add-ons is waiting for you. So download today for free and start your journey. Who knows? Maybe I'll be interviewing you before too long. So what I did was also, I mean, I'm going to the website just to see, like, my my familiarity in, in the e-commerce space, um, I put myself in like a 102 class. I feel like I've gotten out of 101 and I'm in 102. Um, so most of it was was able to register based on my um, prior knowledge. But there was one term that didn't connect with me, and I wanted to, to ask you about that, the um, shoelace retargeting integration. Uh, I, I'm i not really familiar with uh, with this. Is this specific to, uh, to back in stock? Is this um, part of a, of a, of a larger uh, term, the, the use of shoelace retargeting? Or I just, yeah, I'm just really curious about this one. Yeah, so shoelace retargeting is, shoelace is its own, um, its own app. It's not, it doesn't really have much okay. to, to do with that. So it's they offer retargeting, and it's it's an integration with that system. Um, so you can kind of set that up uh, to, to automatically retarget customers. But this is again, I think you, you on that that pop up form that I talked about in the beginning, um, customers that are asking for additional marketing essentially will be good. This is where you can start that relationship, right? Where you can you can start to you know I think Shoelace offers uh, some software that allow you to automatically kind of like automatic some, some sales campaigns around some of your other products. Um, and you can start doing it there, right? And so instead of selling, sending it all to MailChimp and you're just like blasting off an email to like one group of customers, it's like you can start a campaign in in this other app and, and that'll kind of like automate some of your your sales processes and retarget them with some other product potentially. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that's just one thing that, uh, that stuck out to me. So 
I, I usually make sure that just in case there's like a stone that I forgot to unturn, I always want to throw it to you just in case there's anything else um, regarding the, the service that you want to just let us know about. So uh, it's an open-ended question, but did we did we cover everything or are there any other elements to this that you wanted to let us know about? You did. Um, there's there's stuff that I would like to let you know about, but it's coming soon. So, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, there's a bit of a there's a bit, there's a bit of time between this recording and the release. If you can predict anything within maybe like a month. Oh yeah, cool. Um, yeah. So the, the couple things that we're going to be doing um, is uh, we're we're going to be adding the a campaigns feature um, where you you can start to send out not just one one notification, but you can kind of kind of some some essentially some retargeting, right? Um, where you can start to send out, you know, additional emails uh, to customers if they don't convert. So, you know, to try and entice them to to come back. And if you want to throw a discount in there on like the you know, second try or third try or fourth try, probably be some best practices, something we're going to probably learn um, and get some statistics around once we, we launch this, like at what st- stage um, in the process should you like throw in a, a discount to, to try and entice somebody to buy, like maybe on the third try or something like that. So that's one of, the, one of the big things that we've got coming. And then, um, try to say the next month or so, we've got a, a, a we call it a, a price drop alert that's probably coming out. So we're going to kind of step in some, to, to some of that uh, sales space and not just um, back in stock, still back in stock, still be offering that also, but allowing you to, um, yeah, kind of allow people to sign up to get notified when price drops, when, when a price drops on a product, which is, I guess we can we can talk about that that a whole um, as a whole nother section and a whole nother time, but it's very similar to like how a price alert works on the flight. I guess it would be the the best way I can put that. Well, yeah, I mean when we when we get to to talking about price drops, we're definitely going to want to talk about the psychology there and how that relates to buying video game consoles. Because oh man, do I get irritated when I find out something I bought yeah, for a higher like price? <laughs> so the time like time price ratio, like being a part of the conversation earlier, being part of the hype earlier, is that really worth it? And then you find out you know these days games they the servers take them offline and just fear missing out. You know it's been a long time since the Nintendo sixty four where you just play. So oh, the classics, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. So um, I, I still have you for, for a little bit of time. So I, I want us to, to, I guess, zoom out because um, you had mentioned that, you know, this is this is just one um, a part of your portfolio. So um, what is the, the, the okay, so this is a two-part question. Question one is the, what's the array that you're managing? And two, and here, this is one that I think is really interesting is by working on these, um, m- you know, multiple products and services or however you feel is best, the best way to characterize them, I feel like you would get different insights because you're dipping into multiple uh, functions that I, you know, ideally would then uh, allow you to uh, take those insights and apply them to others. So there might be a, you know, like a, an ecosystem or a relationship there. So I'm curious to hear about that part too, if what I've said has any fair, verifiable uh, truth to it. <laughs> yeah. To some, to some degree, there's a, you know, when you, so we've got, uh, we've got a, an app called cross L that does, you know, cross sells and upsells, <clears throat> and it it ought to also, well, when this comes out, it'll, it'll do some uh, automated bundles and and quantity discounts management as well. Um, and that, you know, you get different. It's a different app, and it's a lot more theme dependent because you're injecting something into you know the product page and cart page and allow you know to drive sales. And so it's kind of like advertising inside of your store for you, and that brings a whole different set set of problems for customers. And you you, but the thing is, you start to see. We also have an SEO app on Plugin SEO that that gives you an SEO report. We do a lot of on-page SEO and offer some services there. And we're going to be launching a you know product description um, service pretty soon to help you write better product descriptions because it's how you convert, right? <laughs> um, but it's you start to see these these common links between the apps where customers are having problems, and there's this opportunity to you know maybe this app will help you in, with this problem. I, I think the 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 I mean, everyone wants to everyone wants to to figure out how to sell more, but you you get different customers in in these apps, right? Like for for instance, with the SEO apps, we typically get a lot of customers that are newer to Shopify, right? And there is a I need I need to get more business, which makes sense, right? And I, yeah. I need to figure out how to sell more. Um, back in stock, we we typically get a lot of people that are selling, obviously, and, and they've kind of run out of product. Um, but there are these common problems that kind of go along along the lines in terms of like, you know, it, it's either you you've you've kind of like 
we had at the beginning, it, people have this, I guess people solve the problems when they when they have them. But sometimes I almost just want to say, take this entire suite of apps and like by the time you get to here and having this problem, like <laughs> you will be happy that you've had this, uh, you've had um, you had all of this because you know, having the, you know, I think SEO is kind of forever. Like you, everyone needs to do it. Even if you're, you're already, you're already selling, um, you should, you should, you can probably optimize and even get, get even more sales. And if you're not doing, you're getting a lot of sales, you're probably not even thinking about cross-selling and upselling, which is kind of a strange thing um, to me because I, I, we just see that the conversion rates and the average order value go up so much more. So yeah, I almost want to be like, just grab this, this, this suite of apps and just like, here. Um, I wish Shopify would allow you to, to package and install just like as one and, and allow you to just download it, but you kind of have to sell each one to customers. And, you know, it's in being in this space where we are running all these businesses, but they're all, they're all kind of like separate, you know, customers also don't want to be like pitched on things they don't really need right now, but I really would love to just say, <laughs> Hey, here, there's this, this, and this grab it while you're grabbing this, just grab all these. And here's why. Um, so that's just the the insight that I see um, when I when I look at this because it's like you're solving a problem when you when you have it but you don't even re- if it's not top of mind because you're not it's not the most immediate problem. Well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're speaking as a as a seller myself, and uh, and and I say that uh, very charitably because I haven't <clears throat> sold anything yet. But as you're you know as you're describing these, the one that pops out to me just based on my own problems is really SEO because uh, you know this this philosophy that I guess I'm building is the difference between your, um, your affinities and your proficiencies. I think affinity is what people they take to naturally. So like affiliate marketing, for instance, I just like, I'm in love with that as, as a concept. And so there's a, there's an underlying passion there. It makes it easier for me to, uh, to be, to be motivated to, to follow that. And that might affect what, if any, like what, um, what service I might get to based off my affinity for it. Whereas SEO, I'm, 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 I'm a, I'm a drooling uh, toilet paper user. Like I'm not very good at it whatsoever. So, uh, so an app, if I'm understanding correctly, it looks at the pages and it recommends and it guides how to improve SEO for, for better ranking. To me, that's a no brainer because I need that proficiency. You have to have proficiency in everything because that just means not being incompetent and not having like a hole at the, uh, at the bottom of your boat. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, it's one of those things, especially that app. I feel like it, if you if you you're not really familiar with SEO, grab grab an SEO app, right? It's it's plug in SEO. Um, just I guess plug. But, <laughs> is, um, is that what it's called? The plug in SEO. Yeah, yeah plug okay. in SEO. I'm, I'm writing it down. I'm going to get it. It's uh, it's one of those things where you know if you don't know anything about SEO and you don't know anything about like on page SEO or off page SEO or whatever, like you'll probably get some education just by having the app. Where you're just kind of like, what is that thing that's flagged as? You know, I don't have it. Like, why does an alt tag matter for an image, right? Like, why does Google care about any of these things? Like, it's, <laughs> um, which you, you quickly find out that it, all of it matters. Um, and and just like the, the, the small tweaks you can make to just rank a little bit higher um, for certain keywords or um, set your page up for success is just kind of, uh, to me, a no-brainer um, when, it, when it comes to some of this stuff. But like, if you're, if you're, if you're not selling anything, you look at that and you're like, this is my immediate problem. I need to do this now, right? Makes makes sense. But to me, if you're already selling, this is also a problem, also a problem because it's like you you could be selling more, right? Based on based on this stuff. So I, I've got you for just uh, for a couple more minutes. I, I guess one thing that I've also been been wondering about too is you know some of your backstory. Uh, I, I try to be uh, somewhat uh, distinct in that I try to keep the backstory stuff till the end of the episode not always something you know it depends on like for some people their backstory is like the reason why they got into e-commerce you gotta ask for us blah 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 so um well, you know what were you up to uh, prior to e-commerce or and you know if uh, if any of your prior skill sets had they come with you and managed to uh, help you out in in this new space that you're in yeah i've um when i was like not in e-commerce i was trying to think <laughs> yeah so i, I kind of it's a it's a funny thing because i i think i've always been in um but software's kind of been a thing that I've I've been in love with for a while. Um, like I I started out, you know, like coming out of college with a marketing and finance degree. I was like, uh, I was, um, what was what would you call it? I mean, for 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 all intents and purposes, I was selling securities, like a financial advisor, or like selling basically selling insurance, uh, like trying to sell life insurance to the uh, financial people. And then I I 
I worked at a startup in undergrad and you know, I, I decided, you know, to go back into tech and that startup was like web 1.0, like making web pages. And we were like basically selling, uh, the, the whole purpose of building out these websites that we were building was to like sell affiliate marketing, um, <laughs> or push our, our affiliate marketing partners. And I kind of went back into, I started working at Bank of America for a while and working in their, um, their, their technology department and like a leadership development rotational program. And, you know, it was like, you, you get a, a job at a huge company and it's like, everything's super slow. And for the first year, and it was absolutely boring, but then I think the, the world fell apart um, during a financial crisis. And I, I, they, they bought Merrill Lynch and I was responsible for like testing all the applications across uh, running this program of like testing out all the applications, all the integrations. And it was like the hardest thing I ever did in my life. And you know, managing this huge program, but it, it kind of showed me the the capacity that I could have in terms of like how much I could work because I was like working 50 to 60 hours just um, flying all flying back and forth to California and different places, just like thousands of projects at the same time. It was crazy. Um, coming out of that, it was like, I, I really jumped into trying to build my own startup. And the first thing I went towards was e-commerce because I saw penny auctions and I was like, hey, I want to do this, right? And I, I you know, hired some developers and built that out. And it, it uh, I've always wanted to like create the, you know, be a part of the market or be a part of the system in e-commerce, not necessarily sell a product myself, I guess. And then that, uh, that, that business quickly fell apart because, you know, penny auctions were super risky and banks did not really enjoy backing them at all. So <laughs> um, it became a product manager uh, at Motorola selling um, in their e-commerce department, um, doing that. And then that just kind of led me down. I've always been kind of creating my apps, my own apps on the side. And then, uh, yeah, long story short, that led me, led me to source of capital where, um, I think I kind of gravitated naturally towards the e-commerce space, um, for those products. It just, it just made sense to me. Um, I love being a part of the, the, the system of e-commerce more so than like selling a product. Yeah, I mean the thing that I find interesting. Uh, I've I've been in the space for for a year, and you know I'm, I'm ha- happy to be here. And you know the thing that I notice is that it's I'm trying to think of like a nice way of saying black hole or sinkhole or something like that. But e-commerce, you know, it's an extension of commerce. Uh, you know, you combine the internet and you combine commerce, and you get these two things. You have uh, you know have e-commerce, and everything is making its way towards e-commerce to the point where I I am predicting, and, and, I, and I think there's plenty of data to back this up, that all commerce in some way will have an online component. I, I know there's pockets here or there where maybe they transact completely offline, and maybe there's a few businesses where they have the old school credit card machines where you go, but I think for the, part of it is expanding on the definition of e-commerce. Um, I was just, I was just talking with uh, somebody else uh, on, on a different show. You know, he says e-commerce and he immediately thinks like Shopify stores. And I said, well, I'm an Uber. You order an Uber online and the car yep. comes to pick you up in person. So does that count as e-commerce? In my opinion, it does in the same way that like ordering a product online will eventuate into a product arriving in real life. So th- that's just my, my, my observation so far being in it for roughly a year so far. I think when, you know, the, the big thing for me was when uh, Amazon bought Whole Foods and, you know, you start, you can order your groceries online, right? And I know that there are some places where you can do that before, but it became this thing where it's just, if you are an Amazon member and you can do that and get your points and all that stuff, it just, it just kind of feels very much like buying anything else on Amazon, which is a, like a strange paradigm to, to have. And that to me is like, well, now your food is, I mean, there's all of these like certain subscription boxes and things like that, which is also e-commerce. I think like there's, it's harder for me to find something that's not e-commerce, except for dealing with like government agencies and things like that. Because for the most part, you can't pay for anything online. I guess you can pay for bills and stuff, but like, not like the things that matter. Like, uh, <laughs> right, typically those are going to be like paper or you submit a form and then you have to go pay some money. But yeah, it's harder for me to find something that's not e-commerce at this point than than uh yeah than, than to, to try to narrowly define that space. Yeah, and 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 again, I'm just uh, I'm I'm fascinated to see you know where where it goes from here. And it just it just reminded me a brief story, but like somebody had ordered some. We we, we did try ordering uh, groceries online, 
because I can't really leave the house or leave the apartment, uh, I, I elected to go to my grocery store in person. It's like the one thing I do to like get out of the house on, on a week to week basis. So, you know, that's just, that's just me personally. But I, I, you know, I still remember, you know, he, he, you know, he's dropping out the groceries and it's, and it's winter time and he didn't slip, but my God, was I worried he was going to slip just like, you know, here's, here's your tomatoes. And just, so, so I think some, some of that is like just concern for other people's well-being and how much I'm willing to inconvenience somebody else for my convenience. I mean, yeah, they're being paid for it, but you know, there are, yeah. there's, there's only so much money that you can make uh, handing other people their tomatoes. So, you know, there, there, there's still a long way to go, but again, I, it's a, it's, it's an, exci- it's an exciting time to see how fast these things are, are changing. Yeah. You know, another big one was when, uh, I mean, I don't buy any games. I buy all my games through like the network now and I don't like buy, go buy an actual physical game, like a disc or anything. Like everything is now digital um, in terms of like buying games. And that, that to me was like, I, I remember having a conversation with my brother and he was like, he's like, yeah, I'm always going to buy my games on, you know, buy the cartridge or buy, not the cartridge, but like the disc is you can like resell. And I'm like, yeah, but I was like for the, I was like for the ability to have it instantaneously on the day it drops. Right. Or even like the discounts you get when you buy it um, through like now, like a, you know, PlayStation place, the, the store or, you know, Xboxes on game store. Like you get like deep discounts for, you know, if you're buying it later and you're buying it digital, it's just like, it, it, it's almost like everything, I don't know, everything is, has become uh, e-commerce. Not be, the day we move away from systems will be a huge, huge shift, right? When a lot of the, I'd say where, where hardware becomes standardized, I don't guess this is future tech stuff, but like uh, we, we have household devices that are powerful enough to like power your games and you just, I can, I can like cast my, my, my game onto my TV without like having to truly buy a system, right? That's going to be an interesting, interesting place to be. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Well, this is the last thought that I'm going to make. And then I'm going to, to uh, uh, I'll let you run out of here, which is, I mean, I, most of the games that I buy are digital every now and then I'll get a physical copy just because being a collector and having all of the stuff on display is a, is a form of self-expression. So I do like having some things physical. Um, but if you, if you're looking into NFTs, um, NFTs, which allows us to take digital assets and actually personalize them, then event, you know eventually people will be able to actually take their digital collections and have them on display in like a virtual reality environment. So uh, I'm I'm kind of excited to see about that, even if virtual reality does scare the daylights out of me. But it's it, it, it it'll be interesting to see when it comes full circle because the things that are true about human nature will remain true. We just have to figure out ways to get back to that and i think having a collection having something on display people love that and uh, and i that'll go away for a little while but it will come back and that's why i think nfts are going to be big yeah i i completely agree there's a there's a remember the, there's a company that's out there um they created their their own blockchain to, to basically trade uh game assets and it was like um i think they, they they stopped they're out of business now but it was a nice concept because you can you know i think they started there and they started with like uh designed shoes online and, and other stuff like people were designing designing shoes from like the nike shoe store customizer and then like saving that and then they were allowed you to like trade these things back and forth but you can like keep these nfts and display them or you know trade them around it was it's pretty cool so yeah i think it's gonna be huge because that collectibles are, are huge now it's kind of like as i'm older i don't like having like a bunch of stuff like just cluttered like i'm i try to like uh minimal <laughs> become a, a minimalist but i still want to have my uh especially especially for for games where i earn badges and stuff like that i can showcase that beyond just like uh beyond just like the xbox system or or where i play in two different environments that's pretty cool yeah yeah i i yeah yeah, i didn't even think about that the achievements and trophies and stuff like that for them to actually someday manifest as trophies that's uh, that's exciting all right all right, we're gonna we're, we're we're gonna wrap it up here. If there's anything else that uh, you, if there's anything like I don't know, like, I usually ask people if they have like a I don't know, like a Chinese proverb or like a bit of wisdom or advice that really sticks with you. You're free to share it, and then let the audience know how they can uh, seek you out and learn more about what you're up to. <laughs> this is funny. There's one thing that comes to mind. I recently, um, so I recently rewatched The Wire. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. I've watched the first season of it. That is, it is an amazing show. And the one thing that always comes to mind is, you know is the the game is the game always and that's uh it's just kind of like uh in my mind i think of that as uh things evolve but there's the, the game that you're playing um and, and to me it's like i guess the game that we're playing is like do you really enjoy your life type of thing it never really changes right the circumstances change things change um you know technology changes but there's always there's always going to be 
people selling, people buying. Like the game is the game always. Like that, that will always be a thing. Awesome. Yeah, that's a that, that's a pretty good. One. I I didn't uh, I didn't see it I, I, I didn't see it coming. I didn't know if it was going to come from the wire or like a Chinese proverb. But yeah, that uh, that that sticks out. And like, I don't know. I I think about that and I think like, do I enjoy my life? I don't enjoy every second of it, but. I think I prefer that anyways. I think life is better served as a mixture of different, um, a different ex- experiences and emotional states. So uh, that's just that's my response to what I my my takeaway from what you from uh, from what you had offered. Uh, and then, uh, how do people find uh, find your work online and find these uh, these products and get a hold of them? Yeah, so um, you can if you go to the Shopify uh, app store, uh, you can you can see back uh, search for back of stock. You'll will be probably ranked number one. You can look for source of capital uh, inside of the Shopify app store, and you'll see our suite of apps also. So plug in useful, cross sell, um, back in stock, all in the Shopify app store. Um, yeah, just click one click install, and pretty easy to set up. Okay, oh, fantastic. Well, well to our audience, um, one way or another, we're all going to be encountering this, so um, it, uh, it, it it's wise to to get ahead of it unless you happen to have an infinite supply of your products. So uh, congratulations, you've cracked quantum technical computing. But for everybody else, you you definitely want to have a look. I know I am. Uh, and with that, take care, and we will check in soon. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you. So whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.